So what are the bond markets telling us about expectations for rate cuts? What will the FOMC indicate later this week? What about the ECB, who get their GDP numbers later on today, which will show that they are, for the Eurozone at least, likely to be in a recession? Or the Bank of England also meeting this week? Or even the RBNZ? Their chief economist is talking any moment now. What's he going to be saying? And we can assume the RBA won't be the first one down this rate cut road. But who will be first? We look at who and when and other stuff besides on this morning's morning call from NAB. It's Tuesday, the 30th of January, 2024. Good morning. Well, the US dollar is still climbing back up. It's up a quarter percent this morning. It did get up above 103.8 during the session. So it's back to levels that it was at in early December. Bond yields are down four basis points lower for 10-year treasuries, down seven for two-year yields in the US. Ahead of the Bank of England, 10-year gilt yields are down nine basis points, down six in Germany. Aussie 10 years fell to 4.21% yesterday, a couple of basis points lower than that on futures now. And US shares are moving slowly at of 1% rise for the Nasdaq, up 0.1% for the S&P, but down ever so slightly for the Dow. European shares, well, they're either just in the red or just in the green. There are no really uh, solid swings in either direction. Uh, It's earnings season, of course. That's going to drive quite a bit of movement, particularly this week. And oil, uh, despite rising tensions in the Middle East, it's down 1.5% lower for WTI, 1.4% down for Brent. And Nabs Rayatral is with me today. Perhaps he can explain this. you know, what is happening with oil? Because you would have thought with all the tension there, uh, it would be going up. I mean, we had three U.S. servicemen killed uh, in a drone attack on a U.S. base in Jordan. It's been blamed on Iranian-backed militants. And of course, you know, Iran has its fingers in all of these pies. You know, they are fighting proxy wars through Hamas and the Houthis and others. And it does feel like this is all going to escalate further. So you would have thought oil would be shooting up in price. But Ray, no, look, it's down. Again, yeah. Morning, Phil. But, uh, I was certainly surprised. To obviously, we did see some pressure on oil prices early on yesterday, but it's more than reversed, hasn't it? Which is, um, I have to say, is a little bit of a head scratcher. And I suppose the, you know, the bottom line is at the moment the oil market continues to be very well supplied, and um, you know we've had reports of uh, what Saudi Arabia actually cutting prices again to some of its uh, you know to some of its um, its customers um, well are they doing that because they're trying to keep up demand is that why they, I mean it's 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 counterintuitive isn't it but if they think well okay we need to we need people to keep buying from us I mean they're all facing these big increases in insurance costs so let's just drop the price for no quite possibly anyway but uh, you know obviously again just must, must reflect short-term supply demand dynamics but you know you have to you know you have to say the risks are clearly that we will see you know if the Red Sea really is incapacitated as a shipping route then uh, ultimately you're going to see some slowing in uh, crude supply coming onto the market with some price implications. Incidentally, I was looking at some numbers last night on overall shipping costs, so not just for oil. Um, they're still running at only about a third of the levels that we saw at the peak of the uh, peak of the pandemic. But the rate of increase in shipping costs is actually faster than occurred during the pandemic. So, um, you know, in that sense, I think, you know, and and you've been talking about it uh, for some time now that, you know, there is a bigger risk to global supply chains and what that potentially means for for some reversal in goods prices disinflation that's obviously been a a hallmark of the decline in inflation that we've seen everywhere in recent months. So, you know, ultimately, I still think that's the bigger risk. At the moment, oil prices roughly are about where they were a year ago. So we haven't got oil prices as yet put in 
upward pressure on year-on-year inflation rates. So, you know, for the moment, there's some sort of favorable base effects coming through. But we, you know, look how far oil prices have come off the lows, um, you know, and so certainly the sort of disinflationary impact of oil prices, you know, is dissipating pretty quickly, even if uh, as yet, you know, we aren't seeing quite the, the move that you and I might have uh, might have expected given events. Exactly. And perhaps more to come. So data wise, very quiet yesterday. New Zealand's balance of trade came in a lower deficit than expected because imports were low, actually the lowest figure since February last year. And that was uh, a bit of a one off. Maybe this will be uh, as well. So what's happening in New Zealand? We get. We should also should point out Paul Conway, the chief economist at RBNZ, doesn't talk often, but he's talking today. Actually, very soon, uh, you can stream it on the RBN website. Uh, they promise he's going to make brief comments on domestic data development since the November monetary policy statement. He may have already, depending on how quickly you get to this podcast, he may already have spoken. But uh, just briefly, what those trade figures? First of all, what does that tell us? Well, I mean, the, the view of RBNZ colleagues is that uh, you know the, the economy is affected effectively in recession and um, you know and inflation is is coming down on you know all of the sort of if you like the headline core measures <laughs> if that's not a, a contradiction in terms you know are really coming down as rapidly as they went up um, you know obviously we know one of the RBNZ's concerns has been that non-tradables therefore domestically generated inflation you know is still uncomfortably high you know running well north of three percent so um, you know as you're dissecting the the Conway speech, I think, you know, references to, to non-tradables versus tradables in terms of the overall decline inflation we're seeing, you know, I think is, is potentially market moving in terms of giving the market any sort of clue as to, mm. you know, how quickly the RBNZ might pivot into an easing mode. Well, there we are. There's the question. When do they do that? And then the FOMC, uh, they're meeting tomorrow, uh, US time. We're seeing bond yields coming down, a bit of movement in the dollar. So the question is, you know, is, the, is this, are we seeing rising expectations of cuts earlier than the middle of the year? Uh, and then the question about what's happening in Europe. So we get GDP numbers for the euro area today. Uh, I mean, it, it's not looking good, is it? Uh, you know, is the euro area generally in recession? How close is, is Germany to all of that as well? So, I mean, is you know, who's going to go first? Is it between all of them, between the RBNZ, between the RBA, probably not, uh, between the ECB, the Bank of England and the FOMC? Who is going to be the first one to cut rates? Well, to be honest, I think it's a two-horse two race, you know, um, between the Fed and the ECB, and, and a lot hinges on that as far as some of the volatility that we're seeing in rates markets and particularly currencies. So <clears throat> of some note, we've seen the euro-dollar exchange rate dipping just below 108, which is sort of the bottom of a, a pretty narrow 108 to 110 range of recent weeks. And I think there's no coincidence that we've seen money markets reacting to comments that we had. You talked about yesterday from Villeroy, the uh, Banque de France chief, saying effectively that, effectively that every meeting is live. Um, you know, overnight, we've had comments from uh, Governing Council member Casimir uh, saying no rush to cut rates. June's more likely than April. But um, but uh, the Vice President Guindos is saying that there's good news regarding the evolution of inflation, but wouldn't be drawn as far as rate cut timing. But if I look at money markets now, um, uh, there's a little bit of vagary in how we read the uh, the exact numbers, but it looked like the market's gone from about a 70% probability of a first 25-point cut in mm. uh, in April to well, somewhat... That, well, now it's fully priced, isn't it? It's up to 100% for the, for the ECB. Whereas the Fed... Um, is sitting, you know, at no more than about 40%. Yeah, so at the moment, I'd difference. say markets certainly think 
that a, a, an April cut is more likely than not. And they're still saying that a May or June uh, Fed first rate cut is more likely than not. So, uh, and I think the messaging out of the, the BOE is we're going nowhere for, for a long time. And I suspect that um, the RBNZ will be imparting a similar message. Uh, right, even though in both cases... The- yeah, even so, in both cases, the economy is not looking too crash hot. So it's you know you would have thought that there'd be a, a reason for the Bank of England to act, wouldn't there? Yeah, well, let's, let's remember what the remits are for the central banks, and if if the remit, as in the case of the BOE, effectively is that they are inflation targeters, as are the ECB. But the ECB, mm. you know, has this very favourable tailwind now from rapidly falling inflation. So um, you know they can you know. They can be as concerned as they want to be about the, the, the health of the economy, but ultimately it's whether inflation is hitting that 2% target that's, uh, that's most important. Right. Okay, Philip Lane, the chief economist from the ECB, is talking. Actually, he's time to talk just as the German GDP numbers come out today, but uh, but ahead of the uh, the euro area numbers. You'd assume he's had a bit of a preview, wouldn't you? Otherwise, his talk would be out of date very quickly. But, I mean, that, that, uh, that German number in particular, is it going to show that they are – because they were flat, weren't they? These are the flash numbers for Q4. They were, they were flat in Q3. I mean, they could be revised down. Is there a, a distinct chance that Germany is actually in recession? Well, certainly. I mean, we might get a revision, but the uh, the consensus is 0.3, which was the number that was extracted from that annual number that we had the week before last, if you remember. So, um, you know, and looking at the other two biggest Eurozone economies, France is expected to scrape a positive quarterly number, 0.1, and Italy uh, is expected to be flat. So overs and unders there, but that will all culminate in the, the pan-Eurozone numbers a little later uh, tonight, where um, you know the consensus, I think, is for, for minus 0.1, and we had a minus 0.1 in Q3, for example. So I think that you know, the big picture story is that the Eurozone will be confirmed as having been in recession in the second half of uh, of last right. year, but um, you know, to what extent that resonates with um, you know with ECB officials remains to be remains to be seen. Okay, retail sales for Australia uh, fairly soon. We assume that December is going to be down a bit because we had such a good November with Black Friday and the like. Uh, that was the experience in the UK, of course, wasn't it? But not actually the experience in the US. They were up in November and up even more in December. So we're we going to be more like Britain or more like the US? But, uh, well, the view is that we're probably going to be um, more like Britain. So the consensus. Is- is minus two percent exactly cancelling out the plus two percent and uh, that we had in November and um, you know so you know Black Friday Cyber Monday early Christmas shopping you know all seem to explain the strength that we saw in November and most of the anecdotal information including from our own uh, sort of online um, uh, FPOST um, data for example is, is suggesting that there was significant payback in. Uh, you know, in December. So uh, I think it will be a surprise if that number was, uh, you know, materially stronger than uh, the minus 2%. So in answer to your question, it's uh, much more like the UK than the US. And overnight tonight, we get uh, US house prices, we get the conference board's consumer confidence read, we get the jolts numbers as well, the job openings. It feels like we, you know, there's a little less that's resting on those sorts of numbers now because, you know, we, we keep on hearing that Goldilocks word, you know, that there's people are getting jobs. It's not creating inflation. Uh, it, you know, the economy is recovering and, you know, unemployment's not getting too bad. No, absolutely. But uh, and that jolts number was probably the highlight, I think, out of those uh, the numbers that you mentioned. But it's expected to be down. But what, to eight, still to 8.71 million from 8.79 million in November. So although the trend is is for lower job openings, the absolute level 
you know, it's still AI. screaming a very tight labor market. Obviously, we're heading into the payrolls numbers on Friday. But um, I think it is important because going back to the debate at the beginning, when when's the first cut coming from the Fed? You know, we, you know, certainly our view is that the inflation mandate has pretty much been met here. Um, but I think we need to see the Fed will want to see some signs of a softening economy, and particularly in the labor market. You know, to have the confidence to go as, as early as April, even if arguably, you know, they should be getting on with the job now, given that, uh, you know, the last six months inflation has been, uh, you know, at or slightly below 2% on its core PCE measure. Right. Well, look, it's a very busy day tomorrow as well, you know, even busier than today. So not least amongst it, the, the Microsoft and Alphabet quarterly earnings reports as well. So that might uh, jolly up the share market a little bit, along with a lot of other stuff as well. So you can't afford to miss an episode this week. So, uh, Tune in tomorrow for all of that excitement. Same bat time, same bat channel. Uh, We're here. Thanks, Ray. Thanks, Phil. And thanks for tuning in today.